to another edition of the Jisco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbri. And I'm Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it. There'll be tales from the Ragbri Nation, oh, cycling stories from all across the globe. So this is where we say, hey, we're going to just talk about the fun side of cycling. Not too technical, just things that make you smile out there. So... We say, hey, you know, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, leave with a smile. Okay, here we go. So another edition, Mark, what's going on in your cycling world? You know, uh, this is kind of our fall time of year. So uh, we're doing a lot of meetings and and uh, we have a bike survey that's going to be released today um, and uh, asking some important questions to uh, Iowa bicyclists, what they think of the, the state of cycling is. So what kind of questions will be on that survey? Give me a give me a clue what's what's going to be asked. You know, we asked the basic ones. Where do you like to ride and 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 uh, what type of bike you have? Um, we asked a little bit about policy efforts, which you support or don't support. So it's kind of really important for mm-hmm. us to gauge. Um, we have a new question on this time, and that's on bikes and taxes. Everybody mm. loves everybody loves taxes, don't they? Oh yeah. <laughs> Death and taxes are the only two things in, that are sure, I guess. Yeah. So, hmm. and, I mean, there's a conversation that's happening nationally, and, and I really kind of want to take the pulse of, of uh, bicyclists. Um, Oregon, if you, if you haven't heard, instituted a uh, bicycle tax. Um, mm-hmm. And it ended up, ended up being a flat fee sales tax on bicycles, so $15 uh, for every bicycle sold. Now, what's different about Oregon and different about Iowa is Oregon doesn't have any sales tax, whereas Iowa has seven uh, percent on on mm-hmm. uh, on bikes. So it's it's really kind of an apples and oranges sort of comparison. But uh, we do want to we do want to see what people think. I want to see if uh, they're comfortable with the current system, if they're willing to pay, or why they're willing to pay. But also. Um, we're asking things like, uh, do you need more education in, in how transportation systems are financed? So hmm. I think a lot of people will say that, but okay. they don't quite understand the system. Well, good. And hopefully that data will lead to some some better cycling here, here in the state of Iowa. So uh, it's always good to get actual information instead of just hearsay, because, if, you know, if you listen to oh, I don't know, chat rooms uh, in any kind of media. Um, you know, the cyclists don't pay their fair share. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that argument once or twice. Yeah. You? yeah, you know, and, you know, the other thing that we probably get at is a lot of people think that trails are paid through uh, fuel tax. And sure. and that's not true. In Iowa, it's constitutionally prohibited from spending state fuel tax on on bicycle projects. It's, it's yeah. got to be spent on roads and highways. Yeah. Um, so it comes through the infrastructure fund, which is gambling receipts, income tax, and all kinds of things. And those are taxes that bicyclists do pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just just because you didn't buy fuel in a particular area doesn't mean you have more or less rights to the road. The fuel tax goes to the state, and it gets divvied up by a formula. Uh, so that's, that's why it doesn't kind of work that way. So... I think sure. there's more education we can do here. And if you ask people, about, you know, trails, I mean, I'm, I'm watching with, with, you know, great anticipation of the connector, I guess, between the Raccoon River Trail mm-hmm. and the High Trestle Trail. And just looking at the funding of that monstrosity, just a nine-mile connector, and seeing all 
pretty much the the TLC dollars that went into that. I mean, a lot of different, um, just good people that just said, hey, I I really believe in that project. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's good to see. It's good to see how that sausage is made to see instead of just, hey, we're going to just fund it through, you know, road use tax or or anything like that. I mean, this is a long process to say we're going to get this thing built because we believe in this project. And I, I think they're... I, I want to say they're about halfway done with the funding on it, but I'm I'm not positive on that. Yeah. I, I mean, even the High Trestle Trail is a good example. I think I remember they had 65 funding sources. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a big endeavor, endeavor to build these trails, and, and uh, uh, that doesn't even get into bike lanes and other infrastructure that are paid through local property tax. So, sure. yeah, there's, there's a lot of work that it's not as... It's not terribly interesting, but it's it's really complicated and, and not easy to put in a sound bite that bikes don't pay taxes because sure. we do. So, yep. yeah. Well, good. Well, good to get that data back. Hopefully a lot of people will participate in it. We'll certainly spread the word uh, about that upcoming survey just to get some really good, strong data that, mm-hmm. that we can move forward on. So. And um, I, I'll I'll tell you an interesting little story. We're talking about you know cycling on the roads versus you know trails and all that. I, I ran across a little story across my news feed. There's a little uh, pop star Ed Sheeran. I don't know if you know Ed. Um, happened to have a nice little bike accident. Hit oh. by a car, broke oh. his arm. Not good as a guitarist to have a broken arm. No. Oh, You've played awful. guitar before, Mark. Can you play with one arm? Uh, I don't think I play any Ed Sheeran, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, I just can't. Uh, I can't imagine that would uh, be pretty bad. So, so Ed Ed claimed he pulled a, a Bono. So, um, and you know, Bono had a little bike accident a couple years back, but uh, Ed was basically cruising. Um, you know, doing a little city biking and just happened to get hit by a car and, wow. you know, fell off the bike and broke his arm. Wow. And so, um, you know, it's just, you know, front and center, he's a, he's a big bike advocate, so it's good to see him out riding a bike. But, you know, it, it just goes to show you any any given day, you know, you're vulnerable as, as a cyclist out there. So, obviously, we want to educate, educate cyclists and educate motorists that, you know, lots of people are out there using using the highways, byways, and everything in between. So, um, you know, let's be safe out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows that we got to do more. I was just at a driver's ed class last night uh, in in Troy Mills and talked to about 30 students and uh, talked to them about how to share the road with bicycles and how to cross bike lanes and where they should be aware of uh, bicycle traffic. And, and so I think we start with the young generation but we have a lot of work that we need to do uh, with infrastructure and uh, bike lanes and trails and that sort of thing uh, to make things safe but ultimately we need people to pay attention when they're driving i think that's important yep you bet you bet well good well we got lots of stuff on on this edition of the just go bike podcast we have our buddy kathy murphy Murph is back for her second stint on the new edition of the podcast, and she is talking to a good friend of ours, Matt Fippen. You know Matt? Dr. Fippen? Dr. Fippen <laughs> of Shields fame, uh, one of our lead sponsors for, for Ragbri. But but uh, Fipp is talking about the Vinton Outdoor Recreational uh, Trail System and the great work that they've done over there to build that into just a fantastic facility. That's a that that Vor system, the Vinton 
system is a lot of fun. Jennifer and I have uh, taken the fat bikes out there a couple times, and, and we just have a blast. So I'm anxious to hear what Matt's going to say about how that system is going to grow and expand over the years. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so we got that, and we got a parrot talk. And, you know, I know last week we had the number twos talking about, you know, their <laughs> jobs, which is Scott Garner and Kathy Murphy. But uh, interesting segue into Andrea Parrott on Paratalk is talking about Kaibos. So uh, in- interesting little talk coming up on Parrot Talk about Kaibos. And if you're not from the Midwest, you might not know what a Kaibo is. So be sure to listen to Parrot Talk. Fantastic. All right. Let's uh, get on with the show. Okay. Hello, Just Go Bike Podcast listeners. This is Kathy Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. I'm here today with Matt Fippen. Hello, Matt, and thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. A little background. The Vinton Off-Road Cyclist, also known as VORS, is a group passionate about the active outdoor lifestyle. The group was formed in 2016 by several Vinton area cyclists, including Matt, and the idea of a trail system was born. Matt here is the VORS president and also a leader at Shields in Coralville. And here we are at Shields in Coralville. I might have to buy a bike when we're done. I think it's a fantastic idea. (laughs) Great. Well, let's get started. So you are a Shields sales leader as well as a VORS president. But let's talk about Shields first. What do you do here at Shields? I'm in charge of roughly 95 sales associates, both part-time and full-time. Wow. Uh, It's my job to get them trained in a way that encourages them to give great customer service to all the customers that come through, um, help them become experts in their area through product training and um, product knowledge. Um, And I work with cashiers for the same type of purpose. Excellent. I've always had great service here. Well, we try. Anytime you ask somebody a question, they either know the answer or they can get the answer. It's good to hear. Great, yeah. So I've seen you uh, when you're not in your Shields uniform. I've seen you um, on your bicycle. We've done plenty of rides together. Yes. Um, how did you originally get into bicycling? Uh, 98 probably is when I first got into cycling. Uh, I started with Shields in the Cedar Falls store. Needed a job, didn't have one. So I went to Shields and got in a job. They put me in the service shop. So I got to learn how to wrench on bicycles, and that's kind of where it started from. Uh, I knew that I didn't want to be a wrench for that long, and I wanted to move into sales. So I moved to the sales department and started selling bicycles. So I kind of fell in lo- love with that side of things. And then a position opened up to be a, the actual bike manager and order the bikes. So I jumped on that. Nice. So you've, you're intermixing Absolutely. fun with work, and it's working out pretty well so far. Absolutely it is. Great. So along with that, does your day job ever overlap with your volunteer job? Uh, yes, usually. Um, you know, I, I, nice thing about my job is I have a day off during the week. So Tuesday's my day off. So yesterday, you know, I was out working on trail in the rain, doing stuff like that. Um, but, you know, a lot of my, my time during the week is preparing myself for what I'm going to do that following Tuesday. Excellent. So for people who maybe don't know where Vinton is, it is in Benton County. That's correct. And what's the closest major city um waterloo's like 30 minutes away okay and how did vorse go from being a dream to reality sure so i moved to vinton oh probably over a little over 12 years ago and found out very quickly that it was not a very cycling friendly community um year one of being there i got asked to be on a committee to bring paved trails to the area they had this huge plan it all looked good on paper but nobody was really interested in 
making things happen. So that kind of just fell to the wayside. A couple years later passed and I got called back in for another meeting that were, they felt they were closer and obviously just fizzled out. I got a call one day from uh, VPRD, the Vinton Parks and Rec Department, and they said, hey, we are interested in bringing a trail system to Vinton, Iowa. What are your thoughts? And, you know, I almost hung up on them because I've been through those meetings before sure. and they just they weren't going anywhere. Sure. And, you know, Matt Bogus asked me to come down and sh- he wanted to show me something and they had trails that was already flagged. So that was already more than what was, was done back in the day. So that instantly I had buy-in there. And he basically told me there's 70 acres to play around with. It's in a floodplain, so there is a chance that it could flood, but it's ours if we want to use it. We just need to put shovels in the ground. And we started putting shovels in the ground. Nice. What are some of the challenges getting the trail ready for use? Um, one is obviously the big one is learning how to build trail. So it's going to be here for the long haul. Um, Imba came up and did a, you know, a weekend with us to kind of teach us how to build trail. And that was about an eye opener. You know, we, most of the people in the group thought they just put some shovels in the ground, move some dirt around and the trail's going to be there forever. And we found out very quickly that that's not the case. Uh, a lot of trial and error, you know, uh, not a, all of us knew about building trail. So we went and kind of did some recon to find out what we liked, what we didn't like and started working on things. And, you know, over the course of the year, it, the trail evolved and changed. But, you know, it was just the, the first thing was the learning process of how to, how to actually do it, you know. And what's the terrain like there? So is it something I can take my road bike on or am I fat biking or what kind of biking is it? Definitely not a road bike. It's open to, you know, you could definitely get a hybrid in there. You could ride any mountain bike, any fat bike. You know, the group right now is a lot of fat bikes. And that's kind of where it all came from. Um, but it appeals to m- the majority is an off-road ride. You know, we have technically two trail systems, a trail up top, which is going to be a single track. So truly a mountain bike or a fat bike. And then we have a lower section, which we call like a green trail, where it's six feet wide open, walking, running, you know, whatever you want to do. And you'll see a lot of different style bikes down there. And I thought I saw some photographs on your website, but you've added, it's not just a dirt trail. You've added actual fun things to ride over. Tons of features. And that was one of the things where with the land that we have and knowing that there's a possibility that it may be flooded, we wanted to jam pack a lot into a small area. So we have some skinnies. We have a lot of cool, you know, bridges that we've built. Uh, You know, that's one of the coolest things about this group is we want to build everything. Like we don't want to go buy it from somewhere. We want to physically build it together. So a lot of really cool, fun bridges. Um, it makes it really interesting. And the cool thing about it too, is that it, anybody can ride it. You know, I got three girls and they can all ride the bridges and there's no question that they're going to get hurt. I mean, cause it, we, we design them in a way that it's they're low to the ground and they appeal to everybody. Very nice. And what's the future plan for the Vinton trails? Uh, keep building trail. You know, it's, it's great when you talk to somebody that's that finds it online and comes comes across it and they're riding it and you know we always tell them you keep riding it we're going to keep building it uh, we're, we're starting new sections we built a groomer so we're going to be able to um, groom ski trails for fat biking uh, that's kind of the next big focus that's kind of where the group really gets excited is about the the, the winter season um, you know, I'm not a big fan of winter but I'm a big fan of riding a bike in winter I mean so that's something I'm looking forward to but we, like I said, we have 70 acres to play around with, and as long as that water stays down, there's plenty of opportunity back there for us. Um, you know, we just got done building a kiosk that's on the upper. We went out and got a grant from a community foundation and uh, built a, a kiosk, which was kind of cool to from start to finish designing that. Is that for wayfinding? 
Yes. So basically, when you pull up, you'll see it the first thing. And there's maps on it, all that good stuff. So it shows the entire complex. Um, but that was, that, you know, that was a process that you know you learned a lot of things about the trail and what you could do and what you, what you can't do. Uh, obviously, the big thing is making sure that people, when they read that, they know exactly what they're getting themselves into, and there's there's no questions. So it, it was a it was a design process. And when you say there's 70 acres, have you just touched the surface? Oh have yeah, you, you have totally. You know, when when we when I've GPSed it through Strava and ridden every basically every section, it's about two and a half miles. But so there's you know there's an upper loop and then on the lower loop there's there's two or three loops that you can do it in that. So to be honest, like with seventy acres, we haven't even touched what we can do out there. You know, the only thing that's unfortunate is if it does flood, then you you do lose some trails. But there's a lot of trails around the area that when they flood, it's, it, you just lose them too. But you know, this year has been good. Obviously, not from a drought standpoint, but from a op- keeping the trail open. It's been open all year so far. So uh, definitely getting use. That's Excellent. For sure. Cool. So if somebody wants to check out those trails or go to Vinton, how can they do so? Uh, RideVinton.com is our website. Uh, you, we have maps through MTB Project. They basically t- can take you right there. Um, you know, our, it's basically located at Lions Field, which is a, basically a softball complex up by the hospital. Uh, so it's super easy to find. Uh, the physical address is online, so you can just Google that, and t- it'll take you right to it. And the trailhead on the lower, it's down by our. There's, there's actually a sledding hill that will be open during the you know the, the winter season. That nice. you can get to access to the lower, but yeah, you can easily find it online at ridevinton.com. So ridevinton.com. You know, every it's just going to explode. You're going to have so many people. I hope so. After this podcast, everyone's just going to go it's crazy. Fa- it's fantastic. They come all want to come to. Vinton. We're ready for you. It is pretty cool. Yep. Very cool. So what kind of cycling are you doing these days? Um, right now, well, before I started building trail, I was a big road guy. Obviously, that was easy. You could ride anywhere you wanted to. And then once this kind of this opportunity fell into my lap, I went out and bought a mountain bike. So now I have a, a, a mid-fat mountain bike that I've been riding. So it's half and half. Um, I've been doing a lot of like online riding with on Swift, you know, mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing. But I'll ride, I'll ride year-round. You know, I've kind of found that 20 degrees is the, the coldest I'll ride outside before your mm-hmm. fingers fall off. But, um, you know... <laughs> either or kind of flip-flopping back between the two all right any ride or biking adventures you've done outside of the Vinton area um obviously bike trips here and there I've done um trek travel stuff up a couple times with my wife and some people I'm going out to wine country doing that experience obviously pre-ride and ragbri and all that stuff too pre-ride pre-ride yeah it's kind of a that doesn't exist right (laughs) um but no, any time I can just get out on the road and just ride by myself, I'll go out and ride by myself. You know, it's kind of just my way of getting away. Excellent, excellent. And of course, um, you are a part of Ragbri. You get to do Ragbri. You get to do the pre-ride. Yep. I'm assuming there's some sponsorships that you do through work. Absolutely. Um, there's also pie on Ragbri. Yes, there so is. So what would you say is your favorite pie? Um, apple. Is definitely my favorite Apple. pie, hands down. Um, I have a challenge this year that I'm doing no sweets or sugar, whoa, whoa, so whoa. I didn't have any pie so far this year. But January first, I'll be having I'll be having plenty of sweets. I'm guessing. Excellent. I like apple pie too. Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. And please check out ridevinton.com. Well, I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Murphology. This quote comes from Patton's Law: A good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. Think about it. Greetings, fellow cyclists. I'm Andrea Parrott, so that means this is Parrot Talk. Today I thought I would talk about something that is not necessarily timely for where we are in the year, but I was thinking about it anyway and might as well talk about it. 
Um, and that, namely, is porta potty etiquette. Because when you're out on a bike ride, it's probably going to come up that you're going to need to go to the bathroom. And odds are that the solution to that is going to be porta potty, Kaibo, whatever you choose to call them. Um, although Kaibo is pretty specifically ragbri. Um, if you want to know what that Kaibo stands for, you can ask me later. Um, anyway, so Kaibos, you know, they're kind of stinky. They're kind of dirty, um, but they're kind of just a fact of life. So anyway, let's jump right in. Um, first of all, you're coming up to the Kaibos and you see the line. Don't freaking cut. Just get in line and wait your turn like everyone else. They usually turn over pretty quickly because there's a bank of like four to eight of them. If there's only two porta potties, you're probably in the wrong line. There's probably a better option somewhere else. Um, so don't cut in line. Um, and there are different types of lines. Um, sometimes people line up all, you know, in one long line. And sometimes there's three or four different lines that only apply to two or three different porta potties. I mean, this isn't rocket science. You'll pick it up when you come up to the approach the stool. Um, and, you know, you just kind of go with your gut. So, um, kind of branching off of that, sometimes the best kaibos are just around the corner. Or if you walk about 100 feet extra down, you know, 100 feet beyond where the main bank of kaibos is, sometimes there's more that people are too lazy or can't, too lazy to walk to or can't see. So sometimes it behooves you to kind of check out the area and do a little recon um, and kind of see what's out there. Um, that has helped me many a time. And oftentimes those porta potties that are kind of out of sight or kind of in the distance are a lot cleaner as well because fewer people have used them. So that's my probably my number one tip, honestly. And I probably shouldn't be sharing this with you because I use that tip all the time when I'm working on Ragbri. But um, anyway, whatever. The cat's out of the bag. So um, then my next tip would be if there's a cleaning crew coming through and trying to um, pump out the porta potties and clean them for you, like say action services on Ragbri, let them come in and do your job, do their job. It's going to be so much nicer in the potty for you. You And if you barge in ahead of them, you're probably not going to have toilet paper and it's going to probably be super full. Um, it's just they're there to make it nicer for you. So don't jump in in a porta potty at the last second right before them when they're about to um, go and clean it. Just give them a little space, give them a little time. It's only going to help you out. So it, they really are fast too. I mean, seriously, they only take a couple minutes per. Um, if you have to go that bad, maybe, maybe find another alternate, you know. Okay, so then springing from that, um, be sure to lock the door. I don't know how many times I've gone into a porta potty where the dial says green open and there's somebody in there. It's embarrassing for both of us. Let's just avoid this problem. Turn the knob, close the freaking door. I know you're tired. I know you just got to do some business, but um, lock the door. Um, when, when you go home, you can close the door of the bathroom and not lock it and go. But when you're out in public, lock it. Um, then my next advice, um, uh, if you sprinkle when you tinkle, be a sweetie, lift the CD. Basically, 
don't leave a mess of uh, pee all over the inside of the porta potty. It's disgusting. Use a little extra toilet paper and wipe up after yourself. It's just better for everyone. It's going to smell better. Um, and nobody's going to get wet, but it's just nasty. Please. Um, it does help when there's sometimes there's porta potties that have um, a specific urinal in them. But still, I mean, um, sometimes people miss. Not that I have ever done that, but like, you know, just, you know, kind of give it a once over once you're finished. Um, as far as using toilet paper, don't make one. If you have to sit down on the toilet, don't make a little nest for you to sit on. I know it can be disgusting, but like people need that toilet paper. If you've ever been in a Kaibo that doesn't have toilet paper, you will probably agree with me. It's a scarce commodity. And yes, some people do bring their own toilet paper with them, which is really smart. Um, but sometimes you don't remember. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, you just got to drop the bike and go to the porta potty and you forget the toilet, extra toilet paper and you need to rely on the resources you have there. Um, so don't be a toilet paper hog. If you really feel like you need to clean off the seat, bring some to- some hand sanitizer with you or use the little hand sanitizer pump that's usually in the porta potties and use a couple squares and um, wipe off that seat. Um, but that way there will all be always be a square to spare. Um, and then when you're done, make sure you close the lid. Those toilet porta potties can just smell bad sometimes, you know, and it just helps everyone, especially if you're in a campground, quietly close the lid and it'll just kind of put a cork and everything, make it smell better, stop those noxious fumes from spreading. Um, okay, so here's something that came up to mind while I was trying to think of porta potty etiquette. It's more like personal etiquette. Um, something that's happened to me, to be totally honest with you. Um, what do you do if you drop your phone or other valuables in the porta potty? Because it can happen. Things will fall out of your jersey pocket. Things will fall out of your, if you're wearing pants, pants pocket. Um, it can happen. I mean, what happened to me was I was using a porta potty at a concert and my phone fell out of my back pocket into the Blue Lagoon. And it was disgusting, but I needed that cell phone to try to get, navigate from the concert to where I was going to be staying that night. Um, so I happened to know that I was the first person to use that porta potty. So I did go ahead and reach in and get the phone, but guess what? It didn't work anyway. And yes, I did sanitize my entire body many times after I did that. Anyway, even though no one else had used the porta potty, um, it's still kind of disgusting. Um, I have seen online recommended that you use a little Ziploc bag that you may be carrying already and put your hand in that and then reach in and get the phone. Um, That seems like a nice thing to do, even if you're pretty sure it's not going to still work. The action services are like the toilet, the porta potty cleaner guys are going to really appreciate that because things like phones and basically anything but waste and toilet paper really clog up their suction hoses when they're trying to clean them. So it is kind of the nice thing to do, even if you're pretty sure you're never going to use that phone again. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just such a disaster in there that. I would not stick my hand in there if you pay me a million dollars. So I think it's understandable if sometimes you just have to let let it go um, and leave with your dignity intact. Um, plus, then there's the fact of like, if you get that phone out of the porta potty and it does still work, it, 
no matter how many times you clean it off, will you ever be able to forget the fact that it's been in a porta potty? Because I don't know if I could get past that. I really don't. I mean, and I'm kind of a cheap wad too. So I don't know. That's a personal decision you need to make. Um, okay. So you've done your business. You've got beyond any problems with the phones. Um, I will also say that um, since I've had now two incidents in which I've dropped my phone in a porta potty and then one in which I've dropped it in a regular toilet while cycling, I now give my phone to someone else before I go to the restroom or uh, that I can trust, or I just leave it in my bike bag in an inconspicuous location uh, because I'm not taking any more chances. That I'm done with that in my life. So, okay, so you're all done with your business. Um, when you leave the port potty, close the door quietly or hand it off to the next person in line. There's nothing worse than being in your tent and trying to sleep, and all you hear is wham, wham, wham. Especially, you don't even have to be that close to the poor potties to hear the noise of the door slamming because it's pretty quiet in a campground. Um, and it's just kind of respectful and it's a nice thing to do. And it takes literally like 0.5 seconds of your time. So, you know, if you think of it, try to just go a little bit out of your way and be respectful. Um, okay, my final tip, if you you don't want to use the porta potty or if the lines are just crazy long, um, there are other options. There was, we had a friend in our group that used to ride with Bic. Um, this person only went one, t- one year. And part of that was because they refused to use porta potties at all. So they only barely went to the bathroom the whole week. And I can only imagine that would be extremely uncomfortable. Um, I, I would never recommend doing that. Um, there are other options. If you can't handle being in a porta potty and you know that it's you maybe you think it's gross maybe using hand sanitizer or those little like hand washing stations isn't acceptable for you to wash your hands properly I don't know I have no problem with it personally but I know people that do have a problem with it um come up to somebody's house and and ask them if they you can use their toilet or you know go to a local business buy something for a dollar and ask them if they can you can use their restrooms now I will say sometimes using a local business is a little bit dicey because um, say, for example, a Casey's usually has a line of people trying to use their bathroom like eight deep. I mean, it can be as long of a wait as the porta potties or longer. And usually, if you're waiting in line to use the Casey's bathroom, you're going to be taking a while in there because those are nice bathrooms. Um, so, you know, it's kind of just what your preference is in the moment. Um, also, those after about the, the, those Casey's bathrooms, like, they're not as surprisingly, they're not as aired out as, say, a porta potty might be that has vents and is outside so they can kind of get a little funky in there so you have to be prepared to use the restroom and while holding your breath um so you know let's not get into too much more detail about that but like that's your own personal choice um you know and the cornfields are out there people say oh yeah i peed in the cornfield listen it happens all the time and it is not embarrassing and it is okay to do if you're a boy or a girl um, there are plenty of strategies. You can work your, out your own strategies for how to go to the bathroom in the cornfield. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. Um, but if you're just going number one, sometimes it's a quick and easy option. As long as you make sure that you go to a location where you're pretty sure no one's going to come find you. Because if you only go a couple rows in where you can't see the bikers, but if it was an attractive lo- location to you, it'll, someone else is probably going to stop there and use the restroom too. So you might want to go a little further back. Just be careful that you know 
exactly where you are in relation to the side of the cornfield because you do not want to be getting lost in that corn. It's pretty tall. You can't quite see over the corn. Um, you can probably hear the bikers, but like you're not sure. Um, it's pretty easy to get lost in a cornfield because sometimes, sometimes they, I mean, they have rows, right? But sometimes at the end of the rows, they have rows perpendicular to those. So it's not like you can always make a straight shot all the way out of the cornfield. So just keep that in mind. Um, kind of keep aware, aware of your area. Um, and don't be afraid. Just give it a shot. I mean, you're going to be stinky and dirty when you're done biking anyway. So if everything goes to crap, I mean, how bad can it really be? Just make sure you bring some hand sanitizer and maybe some toilet paper with you while you bike. It's not that much extra heavy stuff. You should bring hand sanitizer no matter what. I'm telling you. Like, if you don't, that's kind of gross because there's not always a lot of hand washing opportunities. Anyway, I hope you um, enjoyed my little rundown of porta potty etiquette. Um, it's kind of fun. It kind of reminded me of the summertime, which is a long way off at this point, unfortunately. Um, I got the idea of doing this from a bicycling.com article, although I just skipped most of their tips because I thought, you know, I'd put my own spin on it. So if you want to read their tips, you can Google it online, um, find it. Um, if you have any other tips that you'd like to share with the Just Go Bike crowd, you can let us know at on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Just Go Bike. Um, and that is also the same way that you can ask me a question about cycling, bike culture, anything else you want me to talk about. I mean, I'll talk about porta potties more if you want me to, um, or really anything else. I mean, if you really want me to get into the specifics of how to go to the bathroom in the cornfield, believe me, I've been there. Um, so yeah, just let me know. Um, you know, I'm kind of open at this point since we're kind of in the transition season between, I mean, I guess I was going to say the transition season between summer and winter, but I guess you would call that fall or autumn. So anyway, okay. Um, I hope you have a great day. Um, I'll squawk at you later. Rawr! reach the end of another Just Go Bike podcast. And we'd like to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible. We have Think Iowa City and those curious communities in the Iowa City Coralville area. We also have Bikes to You, great bike shop out of Grinnell, Iowa, also a Ragbride Charter, and last but not least, Primal out of Denver, Colorado. So three great companies that help support this podcast. Definitely patronize those companies because they're great. You can find our show notes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on this show? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Just Go Bike. Be sure to subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast and join us next week for more. TJ, do you got a quote to leave us? Well, you know, like I always say, when in doubt, pedal it out. So let's just get out there and ride no matter what. If it's muddy, cold, rainy, hey, just get out there, pedal it out. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot, 
and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.